Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writing from the New King James Version. Here's what it says. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now he was quoting from the Old Testament there, but now he comes back and says this, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Oh, let me tell you, friends, if you are watching and you're not born again, you are, are not serving Jesus as the Lord of your life, in other words, being obedient to him, then today is the day to be saved. Today is the day to walk with him and to make that decision that I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you have to be perfect. I'm just saying that you do have to make the decision that you're actually going to let him be the boss, let him be the Lord, which means master. And so it says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Well, he was quoting from the Old Testament where God says, in the day of salvation, that's when I'm going to help you. And Paul says, today's the day. So, you know, there are folks that wait too long and then they die before they make Jesus Lord and then they're not born again. There are other folks who, uh, at the end of the age, this may very well be the end of the age, who will wait until Jesus returns, but they waited too long. And so Paul is saying, hey, don't wait any longer. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And so he goes on in verse 3 to say, we give no offense to anything that our ministry may not be blamed. Paul's saying, look, I don't want to put any stumbling blocks or cause anybody to be offended because I don't want our ministry to be blamed for somebody not getting saved not making it to heaven. He goes on to say in verse 4, But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers, yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened, yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Now, that's, that's a mouthful of a grouping of verses right there. But you can see all the different ways. Just It seemed like off the top of his head, but we know this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But all the different things that ha happen need to happen for a person like the Apostle Paul to do everything possible on every level, in any way, to help people to hear the truth about Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, his payment for sin, 
And he's saying all these things we're doing and have done so that people might get saved, that our ministry may not in any way be to blame for somebody not knowing Jesus. And so, boy, that tells us something right here. That tells us that we can't just have the attitude that says, well, I'm saved, you know, and I hope everybody else gets saved too. But, you know, I can't worry about that. I'm just responsible for myself. Paul sees it differently. He says, yeah, I'm not only responsible for my own salvation to receive the death and resurrection of Jesus, but I'm also responsible to do everything I can so that others receive and that I don't do it in a way that would trip them up. And so I just know there's an attitude in many in the body of Christ that uh, is sort of a, that's not my problem. That's their problem. Well, I believe But Paul says, well, I want to make their problem my problem so that if I can in any way get them over the hump and over the the challenge, the difficulty, the excuse, the argument, if I can get them over that somehow, I want to do it. And so he lists off all these different sacrifices that he has made and does make for the gospel. And I love at the end, he says in verse 10, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. He said, um, we're putting ourselves in a place where we're dealing with things that bring sorrow because of the sacrifices we make to get the gospel to people. He said, yet always rejoicing. He said, we don't get down in the dumps. He said, no, we continue to rejoice. Why? Because we're doing the right thing to help people. We're pleasing the Lord. We're winning souls to Christ. And so even though it's sorrowful, in the natural, with natural thinking, if uh, if our life was about being convenient, oh, it would be a sorrowful life. But see, he's always rejoicing because his life is not about being convenient. His life is about accomplishing the will of God and helping people to come to the truth. And so then he says, uh, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. So he said, if you looked at my assets, if you looked at my net worth, he said, you you would think, you're broke. You got nothing. He said, yet we possess all things. Why? We Because we're walking in the will of God. We're pleasing him. This is what he's called us to do. We're sacrificing. And so he said, yet we possess all things. Boy, I tell you what, may, may I be like this. May I have this heart of uh, properly prioritizing what's important and what's not important and not be the typical American or the typical human being on this earth. So he goes on to say in verse 11, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. He's saying the limitations you have are not because of things we're laying on you or, or not doing well. He said, if you're restricted, if you're limited, it's because of your own fleshly affections. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children. You also be open. He's saying, just as I'm being open with my heart and my explanation with my life, you also be like that. Be open. Verse 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? So now he's going in and talking to them about their lifestyle. And he's addressing something very specific here. He's saying, look, if you're going to serve Christ and have fellowship with the Lord 
and with his body, the people of God, then you cannot just yoke yourself to unbelievers. Well, what does that mean? Well, would that apply to marriage? Well, yes, it would. But if you're already married to an unbeliever, you know, Paul already spoke about this in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, don't seek to be loosed from your spouse that doesn't believe. But if you're looking to get married, don't become yoked together with an unbeliever. And he says, because what a fellowship has righteousness, which is a believer, with unrighteousness, which is an unbeliever. So now he's talking about this, but it doesn't only apply to marriage or uh, relationships in terms of girlfriend and boyfriend, but it applies to those people you hang out with, just friends. Now, I'm not talking about general friends as we refer to them. Oh, those are my friends. But talking about the people that you hang out with, this is who you look forward every week, so to speak, to get together and hang out with. Because if you do, then they're going to lead you astray by just what you talk about, what the values are and such. Like Proverbs says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. And so somebody that may even be a good person, but they're not serving the Lord. They're not willing to honor God, the creator. They ignore him. They discount him. They dishonor him by refusing to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so Paul's saying, don't yoke yourself. This would also include business partnerships, business partnerships. Now, somebody said, well, I thought Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. We actually dealt with that when we were in the Gospels earlier. But Jesus did eat and hang with tax collectors and sinners, but it was for the purpose of winning them to the kingdom of God. It wasn't because, yeah, these are the people that I just relate to and I have fun with. No, he wasn't there just to have fun. And I'm not saying he didn't have uh, fun being with them in terms of them being uh, human beings that can relate. But he was there for one purpose, and that was they were sinners. They were different than he was. But he wanted to bring them to God. He, he knows God loves them, the Father, and he knows that he loves them and such. But as far as just making them your best friends that you hang out with and you just talk about everything, well, Paul here is saying, look, you guys are in two different worlds. You guys are from two different kingdoms, two different worldviews, two different value systems. And so how can those align? It's like oil and water. They don't mix. One says, God is God, and Jesus is Lord, and I do whatever he says. The other says, I make the decision. And God is not that big of a deal that I have to give up something for him. I, I, I really don't need that salvation, that death on the cross and such. Well, the, those are two different perspectives, and one will be judged, and the other will be rewarded. And so he's saying, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness, a believer, with lawlessness, an unbeliever? And what communion has light, a believer, with darkness? No matter how educated that person is, that unbeliever, if they're not walking in the truth of the word of God, they're walking in spiritual darkness. It goes on to say, and what accord has Christ with Belial? Or in other words, has Jesus with the devil? You know, if Jesus is in you and the devil's in unbelievers, how can those mix? How can Jesus and the devil hang out in fellowship? See, so you're full of Jesus if you're born again. And they're unfortunately full of the lies and the darkness of the enemy. So it goes on to say now in verse 14, well, 
right in the middle of verse 13, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God, that's a believer, with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. So notice God says about his people, the believers, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So here's what Paul is telling us. If you're a believer and you have uh, the Lord inside of you, wherever you go, whoever you align yourselves with, whoever you make a covenant with, a commitment with, a, a partnership with, well, you're bringing God into that. And so is God wanting to align with that value system? Is God wanting to align with that worldview? I've seen business partners get into a partnership together, a believer and an unbeliever, and it all looks good at first. But then once they start making decisions on how to do the finances, the accounting, do they do it honestly or dishonestly? How do we give? How, do, how are we benevolent to our team or give to an organization that uh, has a need or whatever, right? Uh, well, you're going to find very different value systems here. One wants to honor God and the other one doesn't. And so what happens often, the, the believer will give way to the unbeliever. And so now the believer is walking in the ways of an unbeliever because often unbelievers don't want to walk in the ways of God. And so he's saying, how can that happen? How can you expect that you're going to be able to walk the same way? If you're a believer, you do what God wants you to do. And so that's why he says, don't make commitments and yoke up with somebody who has a different value system because you'll end up getting dragged to do what you're not called to do and to not do what you are called to do. So he says, God dwells among them and walks among them. Verse 17, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so the Lord is saying very clearly, therefore, come out from among them. Now, that's tough for a lot of people. A lot of people would say, oh, man, those are my friends, or no, this I want to do this. Now, remember, if you're married to this person, and that person's willing to dwell with you, according to 1 Corinthians 7, you should not divorce them, you should not separate from them, you should continue to live with them and be at peace with them and hopefully win them to the Lord. Uh, but you should not make, make them feel so uncomfortable that they want to leave because you're uncomfortable. No, we should walk in love with them. But if it's not a covenant of marriage like that, then he's saying, and of course, if you're not in a business relationship uh, that you can't get out of, then you need to back out of that. If you're in something that you, you can't get out of, you made this commitment as such, then you have to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, how do I work this? Lord, work something on my behalf that we can eventually, either that person gets born again, or Lord, you help me to get out of this without violating my word or uh, my obligations. And so the Lord will make a way sometimes uh, that we didn't even think was available. So God says, come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch what's unclean, and I will receive you. Here's the trade-off. God's saying, okay, you want their approval? You want their partnership? What about my partnership? God says, if you'll come out from among them and be separate, 
I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So let me tell you, the Christian life, the life of a believer, is not an easy life. It's a life of laying your life down. Like Jesus laid his life down for us, we turn around and lay our lives down for him. And if you're not willing to do that, well, according to the Bible, then you can't be saved. (laughs) Not that we're saved by works, but you have to be willing to lay your life down for Jesus, to serve Jesus. And by his grace, you're saved, but you're using that grace to follow him, to serve him. And let me tell you, it's the best life in the world. Don't let anybody including your own mind, make you think that, oh, this is terrible. You just have to live some horrible life. Notice Paul said, uh, he said, hey, look, we're, we're rejoicing. We're, we're, we may have made many sacrifices that look like they could cause sorrow, he said, but we're rejoicing because we're doing something that pleases God and helps people. And God even says, I'll be a father to you. I'll receive you. You'll be my sons and daughters if you'll come out from among them. Walk with me and let me be your partner. And of course, what a beautiful invitation from the Lord. And Lord, I pray for everyone who's reading with me today that whatever this, however this applies to them, the Holy Spirit would help them to know what to do in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.